good, everybody. Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. Levin, we're 0-1. Yeah, and my in-laws are visiting. Oh. I mean, uh, you know, if my wife's listening, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, silver <laughs> linings, right? Uh, <laughs> please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always say if you take the time to leave a review, we will read it on the show. This one comes from Alex Hid, five stars. Absolutely love it. Guys, love the podcast. Love Stats 11, Michelle, Jason, Leo, KP, and Akash. Sorry if I'm forgetting anyone. You guys are my daily dose of Niners Nation and absolutely appreciate all the honesty and impartiality. You guys are a breath of fresh air, and all I can say is keep it up. Alex, thank you very much. And then we have this one from 49er Dom, five stars minus Rob. This is a three-star review. The SB Nation, if great, minus Rage Stats Guerrera. Levin is funny and has a level-minded approach. Michelle's stats and accountability have been great, and the rest of the gang have fresh thoughts and great dialogue. And then there's Rob. I can't with him anymore. Between the pessimism and dramatics and now Jimmy the backup, Captain's Patch, and no faith in Trey commentary, I've had enough. Someone on the SB team, reel him in and get the content back on track. Should be a five-star rating. I got bad news for you, bud. (laughs) <laughs> Rob runs this show. Nobody's capable of reeling him in. That's right, baby. I'm a loose cannon. <laughs> I am a loose cannon. I cannot be stopped. I will not be reeled or or anything else. Damn it. <laughs> I, and not for nothing. Everything I've said is correct. P.S. Everything I've said is correct. And we had direct confirmation of it this week with Chris Sims. We're going to get into Trey Lance's play and we're going to get into the coverage of Trey Lance, which is weird things are getting weird out there after just one week uh we're gonna get into Debo Samuel the wide back 49ers beat writers are coming out of the woodwork it is a weird time to be in 49ers land plus oh by the way there's a game against the Seahawks this weekend but if you are new to the show this is where you get the hot takes mostly from me and the cold truth mostly from Levin I go back and forth on it Levin do you want to start with the quarterback Trey Lance stuff or do you want to start with the non-quarterback Trey Lance stuff? That's like asking, do you want bad news first or good news? One's miserable, and we've been talking about it nonstop for two years now. And, well, I guess one's not exactly good news, but, you know, it's a little more exciting. It's fresher. So, I mean, like I said, this is your your show, your uh, shindig. So I'm going to be a fence sitter and tell you to pick yourself. Be a big boy. <laughs> All right. Be the boss. I'm going to. Start with the Lance stuff. And if I understand if there's fatigue for some people, I get it. Uh, he is important. There, there's He's... fatigue amongst us. I'll put it that way. I am sick of talking about it, but we have to because it is the biggest news. I'm not sick of tired of talking about it because I'm always right every time I talk about it. And that's been proven. If you are tired of it, check the description in the show notes. There's time codes for every topic that we get to. So feel free to skip ahead if that is your bread and butter. But Let's start you with my awesome analysis. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, they'll have to get on with their lives. Somehow <laughs> they'll scrape it together. Can you do time codes of when I'm talking and then when you're talking? <laughs> I could, but I, I don't want to. So I won't. Um, all right. Trey Lance. Just I have to point this out because I feel like I've been getting yelled and screamed at and I've been correct. I pointed out. When they restructured Jimmy Garoppolo's deal, that when Trey Lance struggled, 
the calls for Jimmy Garoppolo were going to come from inside the house, from inside the 49ers locker room. I wasn't worried about the external stuff. Like the 49ers can deal with that. That's fine. I was worried about players in the locker room saying, what are we doing with Trey Lance when Jimmy is here? Because he is so beloved inside that locker room. And ultimately, NFL players work hard. The job is painful. And all they really care about at the end of the day is winning that week. They don't care about the long-term development of the franchise. Right. I mean, their career could end tomorrow with right. that injury. Or as Kyle went even more dra- dramatic with it, uh, they're not guaranteed to be alive on Sunday. So. <laughs> So I don't blame the players for that. It That's the life that they live. Chris Sims of NBC and Football Night in America said on his podcast this week, to do justice to your organization, your fan base, and more importantly to your football team, the guys in the locker room, that's, you got to play the best players. And I think there's guys, you know, I've heard through the grapevine, there's, there's guys in that locker room that go, Jimmy G's the best player. I mean, I, I I know he's proven it. Uh, I mean, how I, would you how would you say differently? Right I know, now? and I'm not. I don't want to call people out here, but I I've, I've heard from people that I know around the NFL to go. Yeah, there's some prominent people in the 49ers locker room that go, Jimmy Garoppolo is better. Okay, so that's that's a real thing. Now let me say, I worked with Chris Sims every day for years on Pro Football Talk Live. First of all, I know he's not a BSer. Second of all, I know he has sources in the NFL because in some instances for certain things, he's told me who the sources are, okay? He doesn't BS. He knows people around the league. He's been around football his entire life, okay? So you, you don't wanna... know his sources this time. Let's be clear no, on that. So that's people don't get the wrong idea. That is correct. He is. I have not asked and he has not told me any sources about the 49ers, but I know he has them, Okay. And you can put your fingers in your ears all you want and say, well, he's mad they didn't take Mac Jones. And what is Chris Sims sucked as a quarterback and all that stuff. Or you could just choose to hear what someone who is in the know is saying and acknowledge this is a tricky situation for the 49ers. Yeah. And the question is, and he didn't answer that either, either because he was asked in the, as a follow-up, is it an offensive players? On the offensive side? Well, maybe, but I'm not silly. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, translation, it's probably both. And that's been our problem with this whole scenario from day one. You have to, I mean, it's logical. You get 53 players. A large majority of those have been around. A large majority of those, I think we're still, a, maybe not a large majority, but we're still at a majority. We're here in 2019 which means they were here when they were winning with Jimmy. They were here last year when they got to the playoffs in the NFC Championship with Jimmy. It's logical for some people out of that many people to still be loyal to Jimmy and think, well, this is dumb. To not be able to be objective about it and look at Jimmy and go, well, he's an average quarterback. We could find better. It's also logical to think that some vets go, I don't want the risk. I know what Jimmy is. I know we've come damn close to winning it all with Jimmy. I'd rather take my chances on that actually coming through this time and us getting a lucky bounce this time or whatever, because you know we've been one play away, so to speak, then take the risk of Trey Lance needing a year to learn. You know, that's a logical and frankly an understandable stance that if you are a veteran towards the end of your career where this might be the last year of your prime, you might not want to wait and see on Trey Lance. And that's the problem that we've had from day one. The fact that that has to exist in that locker room and by keeping Jimmy, you gave that thought a voice because if Jimmy's gone, 
there is no complaining about while Jimmy should be in because Jimmy's not there anymore. So they just make the best of what it is, even if they thought Jimmy was better. And the 49ers knew that and they did it anyway. Yeah, and Kyle's they, they... betting on he can keep the locker room hunky dory. The problem is, is you can't keep a locker room all hunky dory unless wins come with it because well, nobody's and... going to care if there's losses. Right. And that's the thing also, right? Like Trey goes out this week, balls out against Seattle. All that stuff will quiet down. I readily acknowledge that. But it's frustrating that the 49ers chose this knowing that this was going to happen. And, and it's not that we think he's going to fail. Let's be clear about that, too, because you're right. getting a lot of flack saying that you're a Trey Lance hater or whatever. We both think Trey Lance will ball out. We both think Trey Lance will succeed. It's the fact that if he's mediocre, he needs to take some time to learn. Like almost all quarterbacks in this league have taken, there will be noise that's annoying at best to deal with and at worst causes a friction in the locker room that actually splits the locker room. And now we went from a contending team to a nightmare team that may be looking at even a rebuild. It's just a weird situation. But I, like you said, it's logical for some players to want to go to Jimmy Garoppolo. You could understand that thinking, even though I disagree with it, but I am not a player. I'm not in that life. So it's easier for me to disagree with it. I get that. What I don't get is some of the weird coverage of this. I don't think there's a single person in the media that stood on a chair and said, Trey Lance is going to be good from the gate. He's going to throw 100,000 touchdowns and he's going to be a Hall of Famer right from go. Like everybody kind of agreed he'd have to, to go through it a little bit. There would be bumps and bruises. And yet one game in, Levin, in a monsoon, we see some bumps and bruises and people are circling the wagons, calling for Jimmy Garoppolo, ripping Trey Lance. And I'm like, how can this be? How can it be? He needs, he's going to have bumps and bruises. The only way he can get past those is to play. But when he experiences those, people want to get rid of him. Like, what kind of a sick, a weird cycle is that? The problem is pretty much any mention of Jimmy or Trey right now becomes a trending thing if you have a large enough following. If I'm not mistaken, Trey Lance was the number one topic on Twitter in sports, I believe, on Tuesday. So you're talking about multiple days after the game, Trey Lance was the number one training topic. It's when Chris Sims' comments went public. It, it went num number one in sports. So you're talking about something you can write whatever you want. It's going to get a reaction. It's going to get clicks. It's going to get your reads. It is one of the easiest topics to write on and get viewers or readers, depending on your media. So, of course, you're, you're going to have people both national and at the local level that are taking all sides and angles. Because if you take a new angle that nobody's done before, guess what? All attention goes to you. All eyes on what you just produced. And that's what's happening. It's such a topic that everybody is interested in that you're going to get every single angle. But now you've got like Eric Branch, 49ers beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, tweets out Wednesday. The 49ers have scored 10 or fewer points twice in their past 44 games, both in games started by Trey Lance. And it's like, what is the point of that tweet? First of all, just to bag on Trey Lance. And second of all, like, did the get clicks, did the playoff game again, but like, there's no clicks on a tweet. Like did the playoff game against the Packers when Jimmy Garoppolo led the offense to zero points or zero touchdowns or rather, like, did that not happen? 
I, I'm I just don't understand. Like yeah. that is such a weird thing to throw out there. And then he quote tweets himself and he's like, Oh, I can't believe people are being triggered by this. Oh, really, Eric? Is that why you okay, quote TK. tweeted it? <laughs> like, is that why you quote tweeted yourself? Like yeah. I, it is weird. I'm gonna write a juicy headline that is or not a headline in this case, a tweet, a juicy tweet that on the number one topic in sports, and then be shocked that it actually got a reaction. Like, you, you know what was going to happen when you wrote that. And as I pointed out when I responded to that tweet, you know, how convenient. You cut it up 44 games, you know, a number that means absolutely nothing in terms of seasons. <laughs> Why did you cut it at 44 games? Oh, because the last time they played in conditions that were similar to Ch the Chicago game, they scored nine points. That was 45 games ago and led by Jimmy Garoppolo. So in the most comparable game we have to the game that just played, the Jimmy Garoppolo-led offense scored nine points. They just happened to win that game because the defense didn't fall apart in the second half. I have said it before the season started, and I will say it again. If Trey Lance plays like Jimmy Garoppolo, he's going to get benched for Jimmy Garoppolo, which is the weirdest, dumbest scenario I could have cooked up in my in my 49ers adult brain yeah yeah we've talked about it there, there's no other uh scenario that's ever happened like this in nfl history <laughs> so absurd um all right let's talk about trey lance's play on the field now i did listen to more of chris sims he did another podcast on wednesday and he got into a little bit some of his problems with trey lance a little more. I don't agree with all of them, but one thing he said that I wanted to get your opinion on was that Trey Lance is looking at the rush, that his eyes, he's lowering his eyes from looking downfield to the rush too soon. And he's not ever really, you know, looking back downfield to pass. It's only been one game, but did you agree with that? Yes and no. Part of the problem was the offensive line wasn't holding up. And the reason why he couldn't look back downfield, I mean, we talked about it on the instant reacts. When Trey Lance had to scramble, he wasn't able to scramble to the outside. He had to scramble straight forward, which meant he can't look downfield because he's amongst the pocket and everybody's around him still. He's not going to be able to get a pass off in that, so he's just got to go and try to get as many yards as he can. When Justin Fields escapes the pocket, he escaped to the outside. When you escape to the outside, you got daylight all over the place. You can look downfield. And that's the problem with having a train wreck of an interior offensive line. <laughs> is the quarterback's not going to be able to escape where they want, where where he's able to make the Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, whatever great quarterback you want to throw out there that became known for that level of play where, oh, it's a broken play. You know, a guy got through, they avoided the rush, they got to the outside, and now it's basically a, a uh, scramble drill where everybody's sprinting trying to get open and they direct somebody and they get a 40-yard pass out of nothing. Like that happens with those great ones all the time or not all the time, but you know, one, maybe once a game, they, they get that. And Trey Lance didn't get the opportunity for that because he was never able to escape the pocket to the outside. I do agree that I, I think that he wasn't looking downfield as much as he normally does, but I think that the offensive line issues are part of that. Kyle Posey has a great article on NinersNation.com because this narrative has kind of popped up that the 49ers offensive line, oh, it was better than you think. Look at these grades from PFF and stuff. And Kyle's point in the article is like, okay, those might be the grades on paper, but let's look at when Trey had to drop back, straight drop back situations, right? Take out like quick drop, one step, three step drops, 
take out play action, take out the screen passes, that kind of a thing. A true passing play. The offensive line allowed pressures on 25% of his, of those situations. So that's incredibly high for an offensive line to allow that many pressures. So it, it, there's a difference between some of the grades and what we actually saw during the game. And I don't care who you are. Consistent pressure, frequent pressure affects you more as the game goes on. Your internal clock speeds up. You go through your reads quicker because you feel like you don't have as much time. There's a cumulative effect from pressure all game long. Usually the 49ers are the ones doing that to the other quarterback. In this case, on Sunday against the Bears, it was happening to Trey Lance a little bit. And again, it's one game in crazy conditions. Like, I just feel like while some of the criticisms are valid, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what we are going to see going forward. I got two things. One, in terms of how it affects the quarterback, you can look at the all-time great, Tom Brady. What have they always said is the key to stopping him? Yeah, you got to be able to hit him. You got to get to him. That's the key, which of course, yeah, you, you get to any quarterback, you're probably going to stop him. But that's the thing. If you hit Brady enough in the game, he gets affected by it. He hates getting hit. It's the same for any quarterback, but it can affect Tom Brady. It can affect Trey Lance. The other thing is maybe he did look too much uh, at, at the pass rush coming and didn't look back downfield. But despite that, he led the entire NFL in big time throws. He had a six, I think it was 6.9%. And that led the league. And big time throws are throws down the field, tight windows, high degree of difficulty. So not, you know, just over the middle, you know, and that's because he had the throw uh, to Jennings and he had the throw, I think, I don't think it has to be complete necessarily. It's just how willing were they to take a big time throw. The throw to Croft is a big time throw long down the field to the outside of the numbers. Those are kind of considered yeah, but that was a throws. bad throw. Right. But it shows that he was still looking downfield and taking shots. Oh, he definitely What's going to happen when the offensive line has a better game? What's going to happen when it's not raining like crazy? More of those are going to be complete. The throw to Ayuk on the crosser, which we'll get into Brandon Ayuk a little later. That was a great throw. The throw to Ray Ray McLeod. That throw to Ray Ray McLeod is a throw we've been waiting to see a 49ers quarterback make. Like he leads him perfectly, drops, layers it right past the linebacker before the safety, even layered it past Eddie Jackson, who wasn't even really supposed to be in on the play, but he's so damn good that he just turned around and tried to find work and interrupt the play, and he still couldn't get a hold of it and disrupt things. Like there were really good flashes with Trey. What I think hurt is sometimes what what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo is that like that throw to, to Tyler Croft, like he missed it. It was a, he missed it. It right. should have been a touchdown, but that happens to every quarterback every single week. You don't mm-hmm. notice when it happens to Mahomes and Herbert and other guys, because they have so many other damn good throws during they follow the game. It up. Yeah. They follow it up and get the first down anyway. Right. Trey didn't do that. He didn't have those other big plays. So we really zoom in and focus on those when in reality, He's not missing guys more than other quarterbacks. What he's not doing is he's not having those other big plays, or at least he didn't on Sunday have those other big plays. Like he missed guys against the Texans last year, but guess what? He hit Debo on the deep bomb that gave him the two score lead late in the game. Like, so we don't focus on that. So he's going to have those other throws. I'm, I just, I'm confident in that. He just needs to play. The bears did a phenomenal job at taking away all the easy. The screen passes were blown up every single time. 
You know, there weren't quick slants, which I think quick slants are a little more difficult because of the weather. Your timing is going to be off, and those are timing routes. Um, but, you know, think about it. Go back through the plays. When did he have, oh, here's just a simple dump off to the running back, got three yards. You know, when did he have a screen pass that actually succeeded? He didn't get any of those easy completions and yards. If he had, boy, his stat line would look a lot better, and the Niners probably win the game and score more points. So I think that was the difference is all those easy ones didn't work for a variety of reasons. Sometimes Trey Lance didn't have a very good pass. A lot of times it was the fact that a linebacker was nailing the guy that was trying to catch it because it was a screen pass. And other times, you know, it, I, th- I think Trey Lance had the one where he had to try to throw it away because it got blown up and then they had the illegal man downfield because the screen pass wasn't there anymore. Uh, but I do think that he can get those and things will change. And Shanahan may figure out, boy, let's run less screens because he's just not very good at them. Yeah, he's not like that's the worst part of his game. And I get that like you they were getting pressure. So you wanted to get the ball all quick. You wanted to get it in the hands of Debo. Like, I understand that. But at the same time, you're going to have to find another sort of Jimmy gimme for lack of a better term, like another easy layup for him, for him, not necessarily for like a regular quarterback for him specifically. And and Kyle talked about it and I've talked about it also. Like, it's going to take him time to figure out what that is it's going to, they're going to learn each other essentially. And he'll figure that out. And I think that you'll see more and more as Lance plays, we'll see what he goes back to, right? Like when there's a bad play, when the other team is starting to gain momentum, like what does he go to, to try and kind of steady the ship a little bit right now? I think it's the screen pass, but I think Kyle's going to learn pretty quickly that that's, that ain't it. Right. And I do think that, you know, I want to be clear. Trey Lance didn't play well. Uh, I think he played, okay through three quarters and then had a bad fourth quarter, which I think just about every quarterback would have a bad fourth quarter in in the scenario that was going on, but he didn't play well. Uh, I just don't think he played as horrible as people think. I think he had a very mediocre game. Uh, Could have done a lot better, could have done worse. Um, But I also think it should be mentioned that even in Jimmy Garoppolo's godlike five games that everybody wants to (laughs) pretend were godlike, Which, yes, it was a breath of fresh air after we had Brian Hoyer and C.J. Beathard. That's why it seems so godlike. But he threw seven touchdowns in five games, and he threw five picks with those seven touchdowns. It's not like he was dominating out there and went out and put up up two-plus touchdowns with almost no turnovers. He was throwing an interception a game, which never improved, and he only had seven touchdowns in five games. It's not like he was otherworldly. He was just finally a competent quarterback after the crap show that was – beginning of the that year so i think it's worth noting that jimmy garoppolo wasn't dialed in and dominant in his first five games and train lance isn't even to five games yet two more things i want to talk about and then we can focus on the seahawks and some other non-quarterback stuff the first is lance from what i saw at least on sunday and really in general doesn't have a lot of small movements in the pocket a lot of subtle shuffles. He, when he moves in the pocket, he moves, he steps up a lot. He runs out to the side. He doesn't like, he's not in a phone booth in the pocket at all. He doesn't seem to have that with him. Cause I do think there were some times where he did get some pressure, but if he had, had stepped up in the pocket or shuffled left or shuffled, right, he could have extended his window to throw the ball. And he didn't do that. He kind of moved 
more than that, essentially, in one direction or the other. And I think he may have taken himself or taken away some opportunities for him to throw the ball downfield. Yeah, and that's the type of thing that comes with time. Yes. There has been no quarterback in this league that was phenomenal in the pocket right out of the gate. I don't care if it was Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, whoever you want to name. They weren't great in the pocket. They might have, you know, quarterbacks have varying degrees of pocket awareness, but it took time to learn if I slide up this one foot, the guy will go behind me. I'll still have a pocket and be able to get the pass off without somebody hitting my arm. You know, that takes time. It takes a feel for it. I think it also changes based on your offensive line and getting to know the offensive line and what they're capable of and how fast they're going to get pushed back into you and things like that. Yeah, I agree. Like you, it takes time to know the difference between pressure where I have to move and take off or pressure where I can just slide somewhere. And that's just reps. It's just experience. It's getting sacked. You know, the, the best way for most human brains to learn is immediate feedback and then immediate opportunity to try again. That's the best way for human beings to learn. That's why failing in order to succeed. Right. Like that's why we're good at things like finding bargains at the grocery store and writing your letters, right? When you're a kid and you learn how to write letters, you write a bunch of letters. Your teacher tells you that's good or bad. You get the paper back. You do it again. That's why we're not so good at things like buying a car. You don't buy that many cars in your lifetime. So you don't have a lot of time for immediate feedback and you don't have time to try again because you already bought a car. So that's why we're not as comfortable, not as good at those things. Trey Lance hasn't had that opportunity because of limited snaps in college, because of COVID, because of sitting behind Jimmy Garoppolo last year and getting two starts that were way spread out. He has not had that just kind of basic human learning opportunity. So the to me, the idea of benching him after one or two or four or six or even 10 games is so backwards to me because that's just not how human beings learn. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you shouldn't bench any quarterback after just a few games i mean they would have to be abysmal and i think even then you'd have to say well yeah this guy was a sixth round pick apparently for a reason you know if you're a top pick there's some window of doubt you know there's a window that you get where well he's going to improve he has the physical tools we've seen it on tape from college you know however you want to put it but i would argue any quarterback that you think is truly earned a starting gig and earned the opportunity to be the starter, I'm not talking about injury replacement, deserves at least half a season. You know what I mean? Unless their name is Nathan Peterman, where it's just so bad, (laughs) you know right away. (laughs) Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, if you're doing mediocre, and you were somebody that truly earned that starting gig, you deserve a chance to work out of it. You know how many quarterbacks are in the Hall of Fame that their first eight games aren't very good a lot probably a majority of the hall of fame quarterbacks weren't great in their first eight games it's a weird weird scenario and it's very very frustrating to me and the last thing i want to say on lance is there are too many people clutching their pearls about how many hits he's taking like i think that people need to to chill out with that right it's every time he's tackled it's not like oh a blindside sack where the defender just got to tee off like no you can get tackled in pro football and be okay i think that people are way too concerned about that you know what ptsd is yes okay well who is the quarterback immediately before lance and how often did he not get back up after a hit 
when when the previous guy was injured constantly, I can understand being a little scared of your quarterback getting hit. Trey Lance is a big dude. He can take a hit. You know, he, his one college season, he ran over 100 times. He took some hits. Uh, but I also understand it. Like, I don't like it either. I'm not like, ooh, don't he can't run anymore. He needs to just not scramble or any of that. But at the same time, when he was getting some of the hard hits in that game, I was kind of cringing, like, just get up, please. Okay, he's getting up. You know, that, that was kind of my reaction. So I get it. Uh, I think that will fade over time if he stays healthy. But I do think a lot of that is the fact that the previous guy constantly got hurt. Okay, but, like, this is a new guy. And, like, people, nobody cringes a about A new guy who got hurt last year. Like, okay. I can understand being a little scared of it. I just think like not everybody's if, Josh Allen and can take 20 hits a game and get sandwiched between, you know, two linebackers and get up and he's more healthy than the two guys that just sandwiched him. <laughs> but here's the thing, especially this year, early on, while Trey is still kind of learning. If you don't want him to take those kind of hits and that means he can't run. And what you're doing then is you are taking a huge tool out of his toolbox. You're taking away something that's really going to bail him out as he's learning the ropes here in the NFL. And to me, that's crazy because his running and his scrambling ability is one of the things that makes him special. So what is the point of then putting him out on the field but having him not run? That's just weird to me. I mean, I get it if he's taking a hit and he's already passed the first down marker. But a lot of the biggest hits he took was because he wasn't going to get the first down otherwise. You know, that, that happens when it's third and 10 instead of third and five. The quarterback's probably going to get hit by the linebacker coming up. You know, when it's third and five, normally you can get to that first down marker and then, you know, slide and they get the first down. You know, that, that tends to be about the depth of the linebackers, which, by the way, I do think that was affected a little bit in this game because of the weather. The linebackers, I didn't, didn't feel like they were dropping as deep a lot of the times. I think they, purposely held and said, you know, the weather is crap. We're going to make Trey Lance beat us on deep throws. And we're going to take away his scrambling, not allow him to get a big play with his feet, take away a lot of the short plays. That's why they were able to pounce on every screen and basically say, if you can throw deep in this weather, go for it. Not a bad strategy, frankly, but I just, I'm not worried. Like Debo Samuel is six feet and 215 pounds, right? And every no one says Debo takes too many hits. Nobody says that. Trey Lance is 6'4", 225, 230. So, like, I'm not going to clutch my pearls. I get it. You don't want your quarterback to take a ton of hits. But, like, he's got to run. Sometimes he's going to get tackled. And he even said on Wednesday, if I'm getting close to the sticks, I'm never sliding. He literally said that. I will never slide because he wants to get the first down, and I don't have a problem with that. Trey Lance also doesn't have to play till he's 45 years old. You know, like, if running is one of the things that makes him special, then I need him to run. And you, if he's going to get injured, he's going to get injured. You got to take that risk. I just, I can't worry about it. I don't disagree. He's got to take the risk, but I cannot just also understand people that are scared when he gets hit. Okay, but like you can't have it both ways. Sure, you can. He can't slide every time. Otherwise, he's going to run for like one well, yard no. at a time. Well, now who's taking things out, out of context and going too far? But, you know, you're not a Trey Lance hater. The people that are saying, I don't like him getting hit all the time, aren't saying he has to slide every time either. So, what's he supposed to do? They just don't like that he's getting hit all the time. <laughs> I can understand you're not liking it, even if it's the best possible thing. You know, just like, 
I don't like uh I don't like winning a game where it's three yards in a cloud of dust every single time, but it's successful and you end up winning. I would much rather w- win with a 60 yard bomb. You know what I mean? Three yards in a cloud of dust isn't all that exciting, but a 60 yard bomb is. There's differences, even if it is what is needed. Okay. I just show me the run where you thought that Trey should have slid earlier. That's what right. I would like to I'm know. I'm not saying that. And I don't think other people are, but they can also under, sit here and say, we don't like the quarterback getting hit 15 times a game, which is what he's been doing in his starts. Now, I think this past game, they didn't really have too many design runs. I saw one breakdown. Boy, now I'm forgetting who it was. It was one of the beat writers that broke it down and said he only had six scrambles and he had like seven design runs. It's like, you f- are freaking nuts. He had like nine scrambles. I think some of the ones that they were counting as not a scramble and maybe was designed was the fact that he had to run after one second because somebody was already on him. So Branch tweeted five scrambles, three draws, two quarterback powers, two sneaks, one red zone keeper. Yeah. Zero bull. slides, one head first dive, three collisions with Roquan Smith. Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> he did not scramble only five times. He scrambled five times just in the second half. He was constantly on the run. Like, I would have to go and count him myself. Yes. Uh, I have not done that, mainly because I refuse to pay for uh, Game Pass or whatever you want to call it these days because it doesn't work for half the people and I'm not going to spend my money. I did it for two years and it didn't work for two years. Uh, but I would guarantee he had more than five scrambles. But also, like, okay, he was tackled by Roquan Smith. Go watch one of them. Trey carries Roquan Smith for like two yards. It was pretty damn impressive. I actually came away from the game being like, damn, this guy's like more powerful as a runner in the NFL than I thought he was going to be. Why is that? He's 6'4", 230 pounds, like you said. (laughs) I know. You know, I just had the natural inclination like, okay, yeah, he's doing this at North Dakota State, but the defenses in the NFL are a little different. Like, no, it turns out he could still carry people in the NFL if he has to. All right, let's take a break. I know we've been on the quarterback stuff a lot. It's important. This just did. But there's other stuff we want to get into. There's an injury to George Kittle, and there's some interesting tweets being passed around about him. We'll get into that. We'll get into Debo's role now going forward with Elijah Mitchell being out and what we want to see against the Seattle Seahawks. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, we got more news on George Kittle. It was not exactly good. No practice for Kittle on Wednesday. Kyle Shanahan said he's getting better, but still unclear as to whether or not he will be out there against the Seahawks on Sunday. How big of a difference do you think that makes in the offense for the Niners? Uh, I think it's massive. And that's been backed up by the point differential of when uh, George Kittle plays and when he doesn't, which by the way, anybody that has missed enough games to where they can actually have a credible statistic of, well, this is how well the team has done without you. And this is how well they've done with you. Is somebody that's missed too many games. It's a lot of games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the fact that that stat is out there is not good to begin with. Uh, I will say this. I don't, I'm not going to believe a single thing Kyle Shan- Shanahan says. Uh, he didn't practice, so I am a little more worried about it. But I don't expect Kyle Shanahan to say, oh, yeah, he's going to play on Sunday. He's not going to let right. the Seahawks know. He would never be a game time decision, even if he's fine. Uh, practicing you know we're recording this before practice on thursday so even if he practices thursday you still be like yeah well no we'll see he's not somebody that needs to practice to begin with 
this is the weird thing, and it's the frustrating thing for me because it's another example of the difference between what a team says and what a team does, right? So George told Jay Glazer that he thought he was close to playing on Sunday. Like he had a legitimate shot. Mm-hmm. And then they talked to Kyle about it after the game at one point, or maybe it was Monday. And he said, yeah, he had a legitimate shot to play. That's why he made the trip with us, which George was there on the sideline. Now we talk about George Kittle and whether he was going to play on Sunday. And Kyle was like, well, he George thought he was a little closer than we thought he was. And it's like, okay, well, then why did you bring him on the trip? Like it, it's weird how they seem to go back and forth on this. The frustrating thing for me is the offense is so much better when George is out there. So much more fun to watch. And we don't get to see that. And we haven't gotten to see that with Trey Lance. Eric Branch, who I feel like we're beating up a little today, but he's earned it, tweeted, just one of Trey Lance's 54 completions has gone to George Kittle. 49ers rarely seen connection may not be on display on Sunday. And it's true. Kittle has missed two out of Lance's three career starts. Yeah, that's why he only has one catch. (laughs) It's not hard to figure out. Um, It's frustrating. He is overly important to this offense. Um, You know, he's as as important to an offense's performance as any tight end. And he misses games constantly. I mean, it, it is what it is. I think the Niners have long ignored the backup tight end spot and just had kind of mediocre guys, guys that, I don't think uh, would be guaranteed to make another NFL roster. Dwelly, comma, Ross. Yes. Uh, how about you spend like a second, third round pick on a backup that you know can fill in? You know, go get a guy that you know. Okay, if Kittle's gone, this guy can fill in. But I feel like Shanahan prefers his backup tight ends to be more of, well, they can block well. Like, yeah, problem is, is you kind of need a receiving option there. And I don't feel like they've ever had a really good backup receiving option at tight end. Whereas some some teams, they want their backup tight ends to be essentially like wide receivers. You know what I mean? They're, they're like a big wide receiver. They don't block well, but they can run routes. And I think the Niners need to go out and get a guy that, you know, maybe doesn't have to be a liability as a blocker, but he needs to be a true receiving threat. So that when Kittle is gone, you don't, completely lose the ability of the tight end to be a receiving threat and make the defense play honest. I think they tried. You're right. They've never invested the draft capital in it, which is very frustrating. I think they tried in 2020 with the ghost of the tight end that used to play in Washington. The guy that was always hurt. What the heck? Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed. I can never think of his last name. Yeah. I think that that was the closest they came. Yeah. And Um, he did well when, when he had to play and was finally healthy he did well, but he had the same problem that Kittle had. He was always hurt, unfortunately. Uh, even more hurt. He's maybe the most injury-prone tight end there's ever been. A lot of concussions. Sucks. He's, you're right. He was, he was a really, really good tight end that never quite got to show it because he was constantly hurt. So not exactly investing. Uh, so Kittle being out obviously takes away a huge weapon for Lance. I would love to see them get on the field together, get some chemistry. I think you would have seen more passes in the red zone if George Kittle was there on Sunday. That was what was frustrating to me. They ran 11 plays in the red zone on Sunday. 10 of them were pass or were runs, excuse me. 10 were runs. Only one pass in the red zone the entire day. Now that might have been different if Debo hadn't fumbled in the red zone on their first possession, but still, man, 
Like, let Trey throw the ball. Because I think one of the big advantages of his scrambling ability will come in the red zone. Because he's going to be able to move around, find an open guy, or just run it in himself. But if you if you don't let him throw the ball, you take that opportunity away from him. So I really did not like some of the red zone play calls. Although, I, I will be fair in that just because some of the red zone plays were unsuccessful doesn't mean it was just a bad play call. Sometimes it's a good play call, but guys don't make their block. And we saw some of that on Sunday too. Or the defense makes a play. I mean, it's capable. You have a good, good play call and a guy just makes a great play. Um, and I don't want to make this comparison, um, but it, if you watched the first game of the season, I'm talking about the Thursday night game, you saw the advantage in the red zone. How many times did Josh Allen go, well, there's nothing there, but because they bailed out so much to take away the passes, I got this lane to run, and he scored on a scramble in the red zone because of that. That's the problem. The defense is stuck with a situation where they got to they gotta cover every last square inch of that end zone, and if they do that, there's a decent chance the quarterback gets a lane to get into the end zone. So hopefully that gets switched up a little bit on Sunday, even if Kittle is not there. Like, let him throw in the red zone. Do a damn bootleg. <laughs> I know. I'm surprised we didn't see a single one of those on Sunday. Not one. I, I don't know what it was. Like, hello, the pressure is coming up the gut. Get him to the outside of it so that it no longer matters. Very, very weird. Um Let's go now to more of what we're going to see in the Seattle game. And that is, I think, what a lot of people think. Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) But Debo as essentially the lead back for the 49ers. Not that he's going to have 30 carries a game, but it's going to be, I think, Debo doing the lion's share of the work as a wide back. And I get that he's good. Here's my question for you. And this is what worried me, especially with Kittle being out. You pop Debo in the backfield. Then I feel like the defense says, okay, Debo's in the backfield. Now we can double team Ayuk. Kittle's not there. So then if you are going to pass it, who are you throwing to? Jawan Jennings? Like, Because I got to tell you, on the list of guys I want to see get the ball, Jawan Jennings is pretty far down when it comes to the 49ers. It's a, it's a problem. I mean, I, I feel like if the actual running backs – you know, the people that are actually listed on the running back depth chart can't get the job done and you have to rely on Debo some uh, or in any kind of larger role. In my opinion, I don't expect Tra- or Kyle Shannon to do it. You become a more pass-heavy offense. He'll never do it. If your running backs can't get the job done, then start passing. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see Shanahan doing that, but I feel like that's what probably should happen. You don't want Debo getting 10 carries a game. You don't want to see Debo with 170 carries at the end of the season. You don't want to run Trey Lance more because you need to. You know, you don't want to see Trey Lance with 100 plus carries at the end of the season either. And at the running backs, you know, Jeff Wilson, like it, you know, I said on the instant reacts, I, I, I feel like Jeff Wilson, he's a, he's a good third running back because he's a guy that can come in and he's not going to make a mistake and he can, he can at least hit the hole that's it's designed to. But he's not going to be a home run hitter. He's not particularly great in the pass game. He's not somebody that's going to go out there and throw up a hundred plus yards, in my opinion. Like he's just he's not a guy that's going to be able to take 20 plus carries and do extremely well. He's just he's somebody that follows the blocks and does it pretty well, but he doesn't do anything extra. He's not going to break it, break a tackle, and suddenly it's a 15 yard gain. And you need that in the run game. 
So I just don't see Jeff Wilson as being good enough, and the guys behind him are two rookies. So it's who knows. I feel like you said it perfectly, right? Most teams, when the running backs aren't getting it done with throw more, we saw Kyle's answer to that because when all the running backs got hurt last year, he put a wide receiver back there. He refused to throw it more. He, he was so determined to run it that he ran it with a wide receiver. Now this year, but that's, you know, that's a, that's more of a one-off, you know, this is, we got eight games minimum. Well, and not Eli that, Mitchell. So Eight games minimum with Eli Mitchell out. You got to figure out a longer term solution. Is your longer term solution taking a great threat in the receiving game and making him a running back? If that's your answer, then what's your answer at the other receiving position? Because it better not be Ray Ray McLeod or Juan Jennings or Danny Gray. You know, that's not good enough. Danny Gray's got to be active before he could be considered as a solution. Yeah. Looks like we know who the training camp hero was. (laughs) Um, But we also live in a different world than we were in last year. Last year, they caught everybody by surprise with Debo. Because number one, like, who thinks Debo's going to do it? Number two, who thinks he's going to be so damn good at it, too? Right. But now, defenses around the league have had a whole offseason to study that, to study how Kyle uses Debo, to study Mm -hmm. Debo's running style itself, all of that stuff, and devising ways to stop it. So it's not necessarily going to be you know, the world beater that it was last year. So that's why I do think you need to find a solution either with the other running backs on the roster or with, you know, better receiving options and passing the ball more. And our running back room is not in shambles. We had one running back at hurt. Like that was chances are that was going to happen during the year. Anyway, if you can't build a running back room capable of sustaining a single injury to a running back, you got problems with your running back philosophy. Isn't it crazy that we're talking about this? Like, Boy, what are they going to do a running back? And they've taken a running back in the third round in back-to-back drafts, and the guy that got hurt isn't even one of them. Right, that's true. I, I really hope we see Jordan. <laughs> like, Mason. if you draft a running back in back-to-back third rounds, and that's not the one that gets hurt, you shouldn't be talking about boy, what are, what are they going to do a running back? But here we are because the whole problem was, is, you know, if TDP was the backup. We would say, well, yeah, it's time to see what the rookie can do. But he didn't even dress for the game. So it's hard to imagine he's going to come in and suddenly be a 15-carry guy. Yeah, no, I don't think – I think that if if anybody is, that's going to be Jordan Mason. Yeah. Um, he, he's a home run hitter. Problem is, you, you don't know what he – I want to see what he can do. Don't get me wrong. But maybe he's not consistent. Maybe he's like Jermichael Hasty, where he doesn't really follow his blocks all that well. When there's When there's bad blocking, you know, maybe he can make something out of it. But – at times he runs to the wrong spot. You know, well, you don't know. Kyle has made it seem like the problem with them is not the running. He said they need to learn yeah. to play without the ball, which right. generally means pass blocking. That's always a problem with r- rookie running backs. Right. Pass blocking, uh, route running. I mean, the running backs are used pretty heavily in this passing game. If you can't run routes, that's a problem. But the blocking as well. And I also thought that Juice brought up a good point early in the week, too. He's like, you know, unlike other systems, our running backs have to learn to run block because we give the ball to Debo so much, which when the hell you think the last time TDP and Jordan Mason were working on their run blocking, people usually block for them to run the ball. So that is another aspect that 49ers running backs have to learn that maybe other other teams don't. But and come on, let the young kids play, Kyle. If you really want to, I think what's going to happen is in the next game, two games, maybe even stretch it to three, 
they're going to see what Mason can do. They're going to see what TDP can do. They're going to see if Marlon Mack can come in and refine what he was as a Colt. And if any of them come out and are capable of doing that, then they'll probably remain the same offense. If they all aren't doing very well and the run game's not consistent or the communication errors because you have so many new guys trying to run, they're probably going to change the offense up and become more of a passing game because they have to. I hope so. Or you know what they can do is what they did, I felt like, especially later in the game on Sunday, when they were in third down passing situations and they wanted a running back on the field, it was juice out there with Trey. I'm fine with that. Like use TDP on first and second down. Use Mason on first and second down. And then on third down, if you don't trust them in pass protection, that makes sense. I can understand that. Put juice in there. He can be your third down back. That dude right. can, we know he can catch. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be the guy that you run out there on first and second down it has to be out there on third down. Right. I, I completely agree with that. Um, I just hope that Kyle Shannon's able to pull another rabbit out of the hat because we've seen that. How many times have Mr. No Name suddenly is, wow, he's pretty good. I mean, we saw that with Matt Brito, came out of nowhere, and, you know, he, he was a fan favorite. Hopefully Mason's one of those guys. Maybe TDP can become like a real threat in the power game, and the Niners are able to at least get, you know, four yards when he comes in by going up the gut, you know, or some combination of all of that. You know, like I said, I, I do like Marlon Mack. He's one of the guys I predicted that they would try to bring in. And I do like his fit to this scheme. I think he fits it really well. So I do do like that signing. And I just hope one of the three can come in and be that surprise. I think it'll probably take Mac at least a week or two to, before he can yeah. really contribute. He's Not still a, on the practice squad right now. I don't see how he dresses on Sunday. I think he'll yeah. be the odd man out. That, that would be unreal. That's not realistic to expect him to just come on board on like a Tuesday. And then all of a sudden, yep, you're in the game on Sunday. Hopefully they don't, they don't need to do that right now. They have other guys on the roster. Um, let's get into specifically this Seattle game. Kyle Posey and Akash, man, the spread is 10. They're, they're predicting a 10 point win. They're predicting Niners big. And I tried to tell them before we recorded, show me in the Pete Carroll era, the time the 49ers have played the Seahawks and blown them out. It does not happen. Even in the past few years, all oh, the Seahawks defense is terrible. Not when they play the 49ers. It's not for whatever reason. And I'm not disputing that their defense is terrible. I don't think it's any good. And Jamal Adams now is hurt. Unfortunately, he had a, a major injury. He's not going to play in the game. I don't care. All I know is when they play Seattle, they can't really run the ball and weird shit happens. I've seen it too many times, Levin. So do I think the 49ers will win? Yes. Do I think it's going to be easy? Hell no. Boy, that sounds like PTSD. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Even last year when they stunk, the Seahawks beat them twice. You know, I, I get you. I hear you. Party me wants to side with you. <laughs> but I have had this thought. Uh, on Monday night, it, it occurred to me while I was watching the game. This could be an emotional letdown game. Normally, the Absolutely. Seahawks, they are up big for the Niners. That is the game they have circled. Well, they just went through trying to beat Russ and make sure Russ doesn't come into their stadium and get a win in his first game outside of Seattle. I think there could be an emotional downturn for the Seahawks in this game because they, they had such an emotional high, plus it's a short week for them. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of the smaller things the little, the little things that if you really dig into it, you go, yeah, that, that's a bad thing for Seattle. So I do think the Niners 
I don't know if they'll come out of the gate swinging, but I do think that they're going to push that. Put it this way, that line is something I wouldn't want to bet on because I don't know which way it's going to go. It's going to be, and it's going to rain again. 60% chance that of rain That scares now. the crap out of me, and I'm so, <laughs> I've just been sitting here mad for the last day over that. Like, you got to be kidding me. Just, can I, can I not get a break from this God? Like, right. Like, come on me, now. Can we you, get you made one me game? deal with the Jimmy Garoppolo saga all last year. <laughs> I finally get Trey Lance. I've had behind my shoulder, I've had a Trey Lance like little pin flag since he got drafted. And you're giving me crazy rain games in his first two. Like, I don't want to say pissed off to God, but kind of. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that'll stop the rain. <laughs> the, this but is no, the... like I looked at the forecast before we got on. You know what it calls for? Locusts. At 2 a.m. <laughs> At 2 a.m., it changes to possible showers. At 3 a.m., it says full-on showers. It then says that for every single hour through the rest <laughs> no. of the day. Oh, no. So it's going to be raining every for hours before hour. the game. Now, granted, it's a few days away, and uh, the West Coast is the hardest to predict in terms of weather because it's storms coming off. It hasn't come onto land yet, so they, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, storm fronts come from the West and go to the East. By the time it gets to the East Coast, they have a pretty good idea of what the storm is doing. Um, so it is a little different. But, like, literally, 2 a.m. possible rain, 3 a.m. rain, 4 a.m. rain, 5 a.m. rain, 6 a.m. rain, all the way up. Game doesn't start till 1 in San, you know, in San, or not San, Santa Clara, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so 1, a, 1 p.m. is the start time there. For you and I, it's 4 p.m. So it sounds different to me, weird to me to say, but I'm saying it. <laughs> uh, but literally, so that that's literally 10 hours worth of rain prior to kickoff. And it's supposed to keep raining all through the game and like eight hours after the game. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> but here's here's the, the frustrating thing. I'm just thing. praying something changes that, changes that uh, forecast. If, they, if he plays the same way he played on Sunday and they lose again, here's what it's going to be. People are going to not give him a pass for the rain. They're going to say, you know what? You're going to, you have to win yep. in the rain. And then they're going to say, it's been two weeks and you've lost to Justin Fields and you've lost to Geno Smith. Get yep. out of it. Like, that's going to be the narrative, unfortunately. Like, people's patience for the weather and the mitigating circumstances. Plays, I, don't, I don't put it this way. If he plays like he did against the Bears, I would be absolutely shocked and be calling for Shanahan's head if he benched him. I don't think Kyle will even consider that because he didn't really play like we said. There were a lot of things that didn't go in his favor. He had a bad fourth quarter. The weather kind of makes that understanding. Prior to the fourth quarter, he was 8 for 14. He wasn't playing that terrible. just wasn't playing great. He had left some plays on the field. Um, but if he plays like that, has a similar game on Sunday, I don't think he'll actually get benched. But the narrative will change Oh yeah. from, you know, Jimmy's there. There's some guys in that locker room that still prefer Jimmy to uh, half that locker room wants Jimmy. you got a split locker room. Kyle should be making this change. You know, people will be – going full on where they're not just saying uh, maybe they're considering Jimmy. They're going to be saying they should be considering Jimmy. Jimmy should be the starter. That's what it's going to change to. God, just please play well. <laughs> just <laughs> please play well. I mean, uh, I'm not buying the, the whole Geno Smith, like, Oh, Gino, we wrote Geno Smith off too soon. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. The Broncos fumbled twice on the goal line. Okay. Yes. We, uh, let me say this about on. Gino. And I would have said this last year. Uh, he's not as bad as his reputation and as the jokes were. Because the jokes were he he was god awful, you know, terrible, you know, like 
he was talked worse about than Josh Rosen, who's on his sixth team or whatever he's at now. <laughs> uh, but I also, you know, he, he's mediocre at best. His best case scenario is a Jimmy Garoppolo level quarterback. He's likely worse than that, but he's not that bad of a quarterback. He's somebody, I, I view him as somebody that's kind of like between, he's in that ground of, well, he, he could be a starter or he could not be. You know, he's good enough to start, but not really good enough to hold on to starting. You know what I mean? He, he's kind of in that level. You know, I, I kind of put him at, I would say even Tyrod Taylor, you know, somebody that's pretty good, but you're also looking to replace him. I don't oh, know if you agree with that, but I thought you had more there. No, <laughs> I can see if you agree with that. Like, I, I think he is somebody that's borderline starting quality. It's just not somebody you want starting for you. You know, he's he's certainly one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the league. He's OK, but the 49ers have a defense that should eat, chew up and spit out. Yes. OK, quarterbacks. And I know he moved around a little bit and looked pretty good, but. The Broncos pass rush is not as good as the 49ers pass rush. And hopefully, you know, they can get at him more. I think Justin Fields made the Niners pass rush look worse than it was. Like they had a really good day on Sunday. The crazy just... part is Justin Fields completed six freaking passes. Well, I know he only threw eight passes in the second half. Like people kept saying, yeah. where did the pass rush go in the second half? It's like, well, he only threw it eight times. Like it's yeah. hard to. It just happens that when, when he threw it, they got a big game. Yeah, and he as his escapability, even in the even in the friggin' mud, he was yeah, he, really impressive. He is Lamar Jackson level yeah. athletic for a quarterback. He's that quick and that fast at a top end. He's that agile. You know, he's a freak when it comes to to it. You know, he'd be a top level return guy if you wanted to be a returner. Put it that way. He's very elusive. Um, and so that made the Niners pass rush look worse than it was, but they were collapsing down on him. I don't think Gino's going to be able to, he might escape some, he might move around some, but he's not going to be able to do it like Justin Fields. I'm fast. I'm looking for the fumble. Gino yeah. Smith is not the best when it comes to that. True. And that that's what I'm looking at. I, I could see that as a big swing point. I'm looking for that fumble. That's what I want to see. I'd like to see a little bit of that. I'm fascinated to see like, okay, Mooney Ward, this is why we got you. We got you to go up against DK Metcalf who has owned the 49ers in his career. Let's see how you do. And I'm not saying you got to shut him out, but he has worked the 49ers in his career. Let's see what you can do against a top tier, top number one wide receiver, because if he can slow down Metcalf and the Niners D can get pressure. Now you got something here. Now maybe you, you put the end to some of the friggin' shenanigans that have gone on against the Seahawks. And for the love of God, can we watch for the fake punt? Please. Can we watch for special teams fakes, please? Uh, I'm just going to be watching the weather report. That's going to be me in the next two days. By the way, Geno Smith has, you're right. He has 23 career fumbles in 46 games. Mm -hmm. So that's basically a fumble he's every not, other game. Here's a reference for you. He's not Tony Banks, but he's up there. Boy, that was topical. A, a borderline starting quarterback who's been retired for two decades. But you get my reference. He is yeah. the fumble king. What was it? That that year that he got benched, uh, Super Bowl year. If I'm not mistaken, he was the starter prior to Dilfer taking over in Baltimore. In he, had like 10, he had like 10 fumbles in like five games or something like that. So, yeah, it was 2000. He started eight games. 
He had five fumbles in eight games. But in his career, he has 73 fumbles <laughs> in 96 games. That is absurd. 73 fumbles in 78 starts. His rookie year, he had 21 fumbles. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's the reason why I mentioned him. <laughs> 21 fumbles. That led the For the kids out there, you know. They might not know of Tony Banks. Well, now you do. Welcome to history class. All right. Well, Gino, do your best Tony Banks impression. Uh, what's your final score prediction? Uh, I. It's hard with this freaking weather. If it's truly as rainy as it's predicting, it's not going to be high scoring. Uh, but I do think the Niners are going to be a little bit better. Uh, I got them at 27. I got the Seahawks at 16. I think they, I think they can move the ball. I think they're going to settle for a lot of field goals. I will take 49ers 20, Seahawks 17. It might be the kind of thing where the 49ers, you know, score late and have to hold off Seattle. That's what I'm, I think I'm predicting. I'm predicting like Lance will lead them to a field goal, go ahead field goal early in the fourth. And then it's going to be nail biting time, white knuckling it for the final, like nine minutes of the fourth quarter to see if the 49ers defense can hold them at bay. I'll take Niners 20 Seahawks 17. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I promise you, I read all the reviews. I know I'm behind a little bit. I'm trying. We're getting them in on our other shows because I want to stick to that promise of if you lead the review, we read it on the show. So some of them have been read not by me. They've been read on the air by Kyle Posey or Jason Aponte or somebody else. But we do read them and we do appreciate it. So please keep them coming. Make sure you join us also after the game on the Instant Reaction Podcast. Those are always a ton of fun. Thousands and thousands of you every week join us, and we are so, so grateful for it. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the football game tonight. Chiefs and Chargers is going to be awesome, and go Niners.